we are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone, like we do here in sweaty Melbourne. Uh, my name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Ready to go, John. Are you ready? I'm not, conv- I'm not convinced that you're ready, Roger. Are you in the zone? I'm in the zone. Um, well, it's just so in the zone. Can you tell us what beers you bought uh, this evening? Oh, no, don't ask me that. Uh, yeah, I've got a uh, Churr, um, Born to Hop IPA from New Zealand. It's delicious. These guys make really delicious beer. Okay. Uh, one of my favourite brewers, I would say. And I've got a... That's a high percentage one. So then I've gone lower to does that work out you can add up the percentage yeah, yeah sure so, yeah. if it makes 10 then you're yeah, right that's what I figured yeah. uh, it's a California Sun West Coast Session IPA from Thornbridge it is just getting more and more dull Should every I, week I stop to Raj talk about beer <laughs> Jeff lots it's, of people like beer and it, they tune in just to listen to my beer chat your dulcet tones just Putting them to sleep. Well, I think it's just that Rog takes so long. Mm, and this, this is the Madagascan uh, <laughs> fizzy pop beer. It's uh, 6.31 It's a very good impression, Seth. Jeff. Um, Jeff, what are you drinking? Wine. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap nice. wine. Right, we'll start with a question. But before we do the question, let's do a bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask a, ask us a question. Can't talk. Uh, tell us we're wrong about something or that Rog takes too long saying what beers he likes. Or um, anything. Just find us on <laughs> Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And, of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk. Um, this week's question is about the transfer window. Oh, yes. I'm in. I'm ready. So, side note. Yeah. We always, at the start of this podcast, say that we're fa- fans that live in the wrong time zone. Because we don't live in Europe. We don't get to be a- awake when the normal games are on. So we have to watch highlights at random hours or stay awake late. Watching the FA Cup in Australia is impossible. There's, like, I was trying to find highlights. and There's nothing anywhere. Yeah. And then it's on ESPN sometimes. It's just crap. It's easier to watch the League Cup. Which yeah, is, which league is cups on, on B and Sports. Yeah, so it's easier to watch the League Cup. Go figure. The magic of the League Cup. Mm, that's crap, isn't it? Um, so I thought I'd start with a question about the transfer window. Great. Because we'll come <laughs> to the end of the transfer window. Um, how much money has been spent in this January transfer window in the Premier League so far? I'm going to say not that much. It's actually one of the most underwhelming transfer windows that I remember it's nearly for the over last... isn't it yeah, yeah I can't Friday. think of one like one signing that stands out I'm going to say 117 million pounds Roger Gibbs 6.3% with a hoppy aftertaste <laughs> 50 million uh, 42 million Oh, is that including or excluding Bruno Fernandes? So that's excluding Bruno Fernandes because that's not been signed, sealed, delivered yet. Okay, well, obviously I was including Bruno Fernandes well, in my calculation. Well, it's wrong, Jeff. Obviously you're wrong because he hasn't signed yet. When did you get this stat, John? Uh, today. Today, I ask um, you. And How current also, is that? <laughs> <laughs> it also doesn't include Lo Celso, who's signed permanently for Spurs Which, now. again, I included in my calculation. That million. was today. Which is 30 mil. Um, but 42 mil across the league... Excluding Bruno Fernandes, which is not done yet, and knowing Man United, they'll cock it up still. And Lo Celso, who was already going to sign anyway, he was on loan. It's not a lot of money. Last year, 180 million. And that was quite a low January transfer window. Year before that, 430. 
year, wow. which is like the Van Dyke year. And but that's the thing; these it's financial fair play. So it's a three-year rolling cycle. So clubs are looking at three years ago and going, "Well, we spent a bucket load of cash three years ago. They, we have to wait till summer." To have that be three years in the past. Because the books have to balance. Do you think it's financial or do you think people are just going... Doesn't work. Doesn't work. January transfer window. What what can you actually buy in January that changes your team? Virgil van Dijk. Carlos Tevez. Tevez wasn't January. Yeah, it was. Not for West Ham. Man City. No, he gave it when it started the year. Cause it was Man United. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tevez. No, but I, why so, uh, did Liverpool <laughs> sign van Dijk in January? Was um, that like a panic... Decision? Or? No, so what Van Dyke they really wanted in the summer and they offered and Southampton just went no, no, and they wanted seventy five million. Van Dyke went on strike. Do you remember he kind of stopped playing, it was just like I really want to make this move and everyone was like, Oh, maybe he's a bit of a dick because he's oh, gone on yes. strike. Oh, I do remember yeah. that. Oh, he's captain of the club, what's he doing? Oh, he's a bit of a wanker. Turns out he's the best defender in the world. Um but he so he went on a bit of a strike, he came back in um, but it was basically under the proviso, I can get my move in January. And Liverpool went, yeah, we'll pay 75 million, which is what you said. Which right. at the time, everyone went, 75 million? Silly money. Yeah. So much money. Uh, Liverpool bought Coutinho in January. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep on, on listing some of these. There aren't that many good no, ones. No, uh, Chris Samba went to QPR. That was a... That, that was, was a waste a, of money. Uh, no, John, Chris Samba is mighty. <laughs> Willian went to Chelsea. Maybe he's not done much. Didier Drogba, Galatasaray. Nah, he was, he was, yeah, he went Galatasaray. to Galatasaray. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I'm not sure where you're going. Yeah, this, this, uh, not... David Beckham went to PSG. So, yeah, we don't care. Like, Sissoko. <laughs> you're just listing crap players. Daniel Sturridge. Mario <laughs> Palantelli. Shut up. Yeah, Shut up. so maybe. Timber Bar. Maybe there's enough sample size that people are realising it doesn't work. It just well, it doesn't seem to make any footballing sense to sign someone in January because. It takes six weeks to get into the team, like to get used to what, how the team plays. You're halfway through the season. If you get injured or get a bit of a knock and you go another six weeks, it's the end of the season. So you're just like, well... But normally there's still someone that goes, panic, we need something. Yeah, so Throw you, some the, money at the it. Fulhams of this world yeah. will, will do exactly that. That's why Babel came in January, didn't he? But um, then also, if you look at the league at the moment, there's actually no one that needs to panic. So Norwich are probably going to go down and they're... <coughs> Man United. Okay, with that. Norwich are happy with going down. Watford, Bournemouth, West Ham, Villa, Brighton, who are the ones battling for relegation at the moment, kind of have a structure in place, have a plan. Villa have spent £10 million on a striker no one's ever heard of because they need a striker. Sorry, some sweeping comments in there. We'll get on to West Ham, but they do not have a structure in place or a plan. No, true. But we'll um, get on to that. Yes. <laughs> but they have a squad that you kind of go... What are you gonna? What, why spend? That's expensive. Yes. <laughs> why spend fifty million on a panic buy over here when what you've got is what you've got, and you might go down, and then you've got this person. So why have a January panic buy when you've got a summer transfer window panic buy? I, I yes. love, I love the, um, I love the, your idea. I think that <laughs> there's some beautiful symmetry to it. I don't think that football is that smart. I don't, think, I don't think there's like a collective consciousness that has made that decision. That just no. never happens in football. I genuinely believe that when you look at four, three years ago and you think that there's £350 million spent or whatever it was, 430, 430 you literally have to, by the laws of football in the yeah. Premier League, you have to balance your book over a three-year period, yeah. which means that that expensive January plus the summers still exists on your book. 
which means that you have to let it get into the past in order to invest your money. We're not looking at clubs going, you haven't got money to invest. Clubs, I'll use Everton as an example, Everton are gagging to spend money, but they literally can't do it until the summer because of their financial fair play. And, And that's the same across the board. Yeah, and also the TV money last time didn't go up, it just plateaued. So there's not this kind of continual growth of more money, more money, more money. So there's a little bit of a levelling out. Um, so if you're going to stay in financial fair play and not get extra TV money, you've got to spend a bit less. Yeah, yeah. It is a really dull transfer window, and it's nice to see all of the punditry that surrounds that. <laughs> I love seeing and hearing all of the excited news reporters ready to go, standing there in the rain yes. with their earmuffs and microphones yeah. on, going, oh, I can't wait, who's in that? Range Rover. Oh, it's the groundsman. It's just nev- nothing's going to happen. The one, um, should we go on to Bruno Fernandes? Yeah, okay, I think he's crap. Because Bruno Fernandes <laughs> looks like he is going to be the big money signing of the transfer window. Who is Bruno Fernandes? <laughs> Tell me about him. He's a midfielder who plays for Sporting Lisbon and Portugal. As a 16, 17-year-old, he moved to Italy um, and played a bit for Sampdoria and a bit for someone else. It didn't really work. He went back to Sporting Lisbon. He's 25 now. He's got 20 caps for Portugal, scored two goals, plays number eight, number 10. He's Is bit... he Fred? No, no, no. He's, he's, he's more of a... He's Pogba. He's... Uh, a more Pogba style player so he's a further forwards type player um, he's a bit shorter and he's a great passer of the ball I have huge concerns about his character Yeah, okay. huge concerns so last year he had a really good year at sporting yeah. um, he was widely considered the best player in the Portuguese league uh, and that put a price tag on him at the same time that Sporting are going through financial troubles. We all know it's widely publicised that yeah. they need to sell this bloke. So he, there was talk about him going in the summer when he was worth a lot of money. Um, this season, he has had a terrible year. He, there not are, terrible, just not as good. Well, there's a, there's a theory in Portugal that he's a protected species. So they know that he is the best player in the league, and when he is on the pitch, referees call him by his nickname. Jeff's Portuguese you know. sources. <laughs> like, what, are you telling me I don't have Portuguese sources? I've got. Por- I'm basically Portuguese. Well, I'm telling you. Look at me. I've got olives do have. in the fridge. Um, <laughs> olives in the fridge. They're Portuguese, aren't they? Olives. <laughs> no. Olives Sorry. with feta. That's Portugal. <laughs> What do you want from me? I'm no geographer. I'll just carry on with your football sources. Um, so anyway, sources in Portugal tell me that, um, that, as I say, he's a protected species on the pitch. Referees call him by his nickname when, yeah, they're, okay. when they're on the pitch with him He's because he's known as the best player. Yeah. However, that is a historical known as the best player. You know when, and I'm not going to compare it to Neymar because he's not Neymar. What about the Madrid? Who are you referring to? For, oh, for like kid. 100 million. Oh, yeah, Jao Felix. Yeah, he's yeah. not there anymore. Um, so I'm not going to say he's like Neymar, but you know when Neymar is having a bad six months, you yeah. know, and still he like swans around like a like a show. Yeah, pony. he's still the superstar. Yeah. So yeah. the first, so the first half of this season, Bruno Fernandes has been that show pony, um, yeah. and he's been particularly petulant. So he is he is roughed up defenders, he's roughed up midfielders in a way that ready for the Premier League. No, but it, like he's got away with it because he is who he is, and he knows that, which means that actually he's a bit shitty. Um, he's been trying to force through this move, and that's not uncommon. That happens all the time. But there's been a few moments in this uh, in this. January period where he's refused to play or refused to train yeah. and actually because of that I, I'm i very worried that he is used to being 
the best player in the league. He's used to being a protected species and he's used to being a show pony. And he's going to get to the Premier League and he will become petulant because he will not be that. And I look at players who have a history of that. So I look at a player like Memphis Depay. Yeah. Right, Memphis Depay was the best player in the Eurodivisie. Yeah. Uh, he obviously had so much ability, and when when Van Hal Van Hal yeah. Van Hal got him, it was like this is. He knew of him, and he knew of the talent that this kid had. But going from big fish, small pond protection to small fish that has to prove himself in in one of the world's biggest clubs, which he still are, yeah. the kid became a bit petulant. Yeah, and, and I worry, looking at um, behavioural history, that. That he is not a good fit for no, Manchester United. I completely disagree. I think I two things. I think he's a great player. I think. Oh, you rate him? Yeah, I think he's really, really good. I think Man United is going to ruin him. So I don't think he's going to do well at Man United. I think he's a very good player. However, we're bringing him into Man United and going, oh, he's going to do this and that, and that. he's not going to that January signing thing. He's not going to be good. Will for he the improve rest of your team? Yeah, oh, 100 percent. So where would he? Like, He'd play in. Say a, Pogba's fit. If Pogba, Does he play with Pogba? Yeah, if in if you had in centre midfield a midfield three and you have your defensive midfielder McTominay, say, and you have Pogba on the inside left and Fernandes be inside right. Um, and he's perfect in that role. He's creative, he's got pace, um, he can pass the ball. There's a lot to... Well, I'd say you need that because I think one of, when I look at United at the moment, particularly when Pogba doesn't play and let, like... Does anyone get on the phones, people? Does anyone know where Pogba is or what's happened to him? Like, is, he, is he hiding in a locker somewhere? The Assis locker. Um, it's just bizarre. Like, uh, but with that, with Pogba not playing, when I, when I watch United play, it just it really strikes me every time I see them. I'm just like, the thing that's missing here is that um, just that lack of creativity and the person that can link play together for you know take the ball off your defenders and yeah. and, and you know run with the ball but also pass it and I think you look a little bit better in that regard when Matter plays but I think that Matter's just his lack of continuity the fact he's got older he's so it, slow, he's so slow yeah. I think it's his best is past him yeah. and I don't think he can be that player he was when he won it's not, he won PFA player of the year didn't he yeah yeah um, you know when he can run a game and I think you need you need Matter from five years ago and if this guy's got a bit more pace and, and can pass and it's not Pereira's not that player they oh, try no, and play him like that but, he, Pereira, but he's yeah. not and we've talked about Rashford and Martial and their strengths yeah. and, and Daniel James and, and while they you know they're potentially going to be great players they're not that player no. so you need someone to do that so you're saying that he I think he's very very good and he can bring that creativity he's not going to solve all of Man United's problems and I genuinely believe Man United in its current state is going to make him a worse player for the next two years <laughs> but if he went to a real Madrid I wouldn't be surprised and he'd play really well there so he's yeah, but he's going to United is it pretty much done deal it's very very by the close. time you listen to this it probably will have been done yeah. it's, it's been it's dragged on I, mean, I, I will go, I'm going to go on record obviously we're recording yeah. this it's a podcast and you can you can listen back but I, I think that you will have some massive behavioural issues with that bloke okay I think he's going to be a really good player but not going to make Man United are going to make him worse. <laughs> well, and I just, <laughs> do we do like glowing report cards there? I just don't have faith in United. No, I just feel like at the moment you're just ballsing everything up. Like I don't, I don't agree. I think the Solskjaer thing. I, you, yeah. you know, my my opinions yeah. on Solskjaer are, are yeah. fairly well documented. But I just sort of, I yeah, I, I it breaks away from this 
young plan a bit he's too. Before. If he's uh, okay, maybe. But the other one with United, I just want to talk about briefly. You mm. also tried um, at the last minute to sign Jean Kevin Augustine. Oh, so he's going to be a young world, French kid. So yeah, he's like twenty. Um, he's at Leipzig. Yeah. Now I think yeah. he's, he's got a bit of potential, but he's just not getting a game at Leipzig. Yeah. Um, he's just gone to Leeds on loan. But essentially, Man United waited and fannied around until the deal was essentially done before they went, actually, you know what, we we would like him. Yeah. And just left it so late that in the end, Leipzig said, well, no, like Leeds were, you know, really keen on this guy from the start. Uh, and, and you know, made it clear he's going to get games, yeah. and so we're going to send him to Leeds. But you know, the, the loan market is interesting because when you loan a player out, you have to find a, a club that represents the style of football you want that player to be educated in. Yeah. Right. So, so, you, and you you find this all the time when uh, look at Chelsea's loan army. The amount of times they swap clubs in January, yeah. so it's like they're there into a League One club, and then the second half of the season they're in another League One club or they're in a yeah. Championship club. It's yeah. not because the club didn't want them. It's because what they've seen in the first six months of that of that season is they're not being educated in the type of football that they will eventually want them to come through at Chelsea and play. So if you are, which is why they like Bristol City, they send all their loan players to Bristol City because we play such fabulous football. I'm sure there's some. Thing in what you just said, um, <laughs> I'm sure there were words. So the, um, when you look at this this kid, so would you rather him to go learn from Bielsa or Ollie? Oh, Bielsa. Well, then, yeah. so it's no wonder that Leipzig, Leipzig went. Well, um, yeah. yeah, okay, I get it. It might be a nice experience yeah. him to play at Man United, but if he's going to have six months worth of education, who do you want to teach him? Yeah, no, it's definitely. Although Leeds have also just got some stick because they got Eddie Nikita on loan from Arsenal. Um, at Send the start at the start of the year, uh, and I mean, there's been a lot of talk about him. Like he, you know, he was being talked but before the year. There was no mention of Martinelli, and there was a lot of talk about Nikita. Like he, he looks mm. like he's going to be a real player, real good, yeah. But it just never got a game at Leeds, and then Arsenal have called him back from his loan now and sent him out. And uh, he played in the FA Cup at the weekend and scored. Oh no, they're keeping him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play, yeah, they're keeping him, and they yeah, he played at the weekend and scored a really good goal. But when, when loan players don't get a game, you have got to question the player. Yes. Um, is there any other transfers that anyone has talked about? There's, yes. Is this the bloke who's gone to Spurs from PSV? It's not done yet. So they're trying to sign Berwin, who's a 22-year-old winger. I tell you, if there's one thing I know about that player, my sources in in the Netherlands, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have told me that that bloke is fast. Okay, <laughs> like, is he Lucas Mora? No, no, this bloke is meant to be a Bamiyang fast, like yeah, okay, fast as a sausage on a plate. <laughs> Do, fast. Is that what Spurs need? Like, I don't. Well, no, I don't think so. Mourinho really. likes to transition, so so who yeah. knows. He played. He's played. He started for Holland all through them doing really well in the oh, okay. Nations League. Yeah, um, as one of the front three, um, and he's played really well for them. And they really rate him in Holland. He's, he's taken I don't know much about him. He's taken Depay's spot in the Netherlands national side. Yes. So Depay's obviously done his cruciate. He's out for those years. I know, and he was performing well for Holland, doing well in France. Um, and Koeman came out and said after after the injury, it doesn't matter because we got this bloke. Yeah, and that's a quite a compliment to to such a young kid, but he's just meant to be like shit off a shovel. This kid, so from from what I know about him, just what sausage on a plate or shit on a shovel because he's fast as you like. Uh, what about Ericsson? What so do you both think about that? That he's gone to Inter Milan yeah. for seventeen mil. I think Inter the, Milan, the retirement home. Yeah, Inter Milan's weird having signed <laughs> yes. 
Ashley Young and Victor Moses and Alexis Sanchez and stuff. Um, Who's coming back, apparently. Yes. And Ollie's really enthusiastic about 31-year-old Alexis Sanchez being great next year. I think Ericsson is really underrated. I think he's gone to... Well, he's a 100 million player two years ago. I know, yeah. you know, run down your contract, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But 17 million's not much. He's only 27 as well. I think people forget... 27? People forget it's how... It's a bargain. How young mm. he is and how good he is. He's, he's done himself... He shot himself in the foot by putting a massive lack of effort in for Spurs this season. Um, but everyone seems to have forgotten that he was one of the big factors in why they got to the Champions League final yeah. last year and was brilliant and single-handedly won certain games. Has incredible set pieces. Mm. Well, um, there, there were times in Champions League, he played well in big games in the Champions League and you're like, this guy's world-class. Yeah. Like, he is one of the players that is elevating Spurs in that run to one of the best teams in Europe. Yeah. And you've just signed him for £17 million. Yeah, and, and I don't... I, I can kind of sympathise with him a bit with his um, you know sales throwing the toys yeah. out because Pochettino kind of did the same thing I think in the you know I think they got so close and then they didn't and Pochettino didn't quite have the energy to go again yeah. I think is what happened particularly when there, he saw no investment in the squad so he's kind of like well I've kind of wrung all I can get out of my current squad you're not going to invest in it where do I go and I think if you're an Ericsson and you've kind of got to about the he would have felt he's got to the peak of where he could get to with Spurs and I think as soon as they didn't invest of course he's going to want to go because yeah. where you know otherwise how do you improve so would you I'd argue that um, Inter is not a very good choice for him then last summer it was Madrid wasn't it yeah it was Madrid yeah. Like, and, and, Barcelona and you no one was questioning that because essentially he was he's as good as Modric yeah. in my opinion and Modric yeah. is a world class player so yeah. there's no reason why you can't say well okay if Modric can go from Spurs to Madrid and, and, and completely yeah. dog it why couldn't Ericsson? And he's seven years younger than him. So it. now, that, why, is he, going why, to, why is he going to Inter? Well, that's why he's shot himself in the foot. Because mm. I still think he's he has hurt his brand by the way he's behaved this yeah. year and given himself less options. And it's crazy, really, because if he can. But I still there's a little bit of a gamble from Inter because he's he has been really off this year, and it's not you can't just switch that on. So I mean, it might take a little bit of time, but if he can, then they've got a bargain. But Inter I, have got a very good squad now. I got to say, like it's not a squad for the future. But they have a robust football well, team. Well, what Inter are doing, that Conte's come in and the squad that he inherited was very young. And then he bought in, he spent all his money on Lukaku. He was like, I want Lukaku. Don't mm. care about anyone else. Just get me Lukaku. Um, and he's playing up front with a guy called Martinez, an Argentinian striker who's like 19. And they're just piling the goals in. Conte's been worried about the fact that he hasn't got enough experience. So he's just gone, well, and he's come out and said it. Premier League players are battle-hardened. They know what they're doing. I trust them. I'll get five or six of these 35-year-old in from Plus, the you can League. play for another two years in Italy because of the so style, style of play. And, yeah. and Ashley Young got an awesome assist on debut. And you're like, well, yeah. that's a bargain then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, it's, it's clever what they're doing. It's absolutely clever. And they've got a good side. It's got yeah. a good side for Italy anyway. I've got money on them winning. But, you know, the, the thing is, we talk about Italian football being slow, but tactically it's not. Tactically, you have to be very astute in Italy. So I think that these seasoned pros, actually, they are slower. But tactically, they've been through it all in their Premier League careers. I, I think that it's a very, very smart thing for Conte to so do. So do you think Ericsson be a success? Yeah. Of course he will, yeah. yeah I think yeah. he'll smash it. No doubt. Um, we we touched on them a little bit. I guess without um, we almost should punctuate some of this stuff with talking about actual football, but I think that's a shame on an FA well, Cup week. No, yeah, well, <laughs> we've got some topics. We've, gone for, have we got anything else on transfers? Nah. 
Now, what do you want to go on to next, Jeff? I want to talk about Newcastle United. Yeah, good one. Now, have you seen the transfer rumours this week? Not transfer rumours, the, the takeover rumours this this. Yes, so apparently a Saudi Arabian... Sovereign Wealth Fund. The Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. Now, just for a tiny bit of context... Uh, it just so happens that on the 27th of January every year Mike Ashley talks about how he's about <laughs> yes. to sell the football club and it suddenly comes out in the press so I mean there's only so much yes. other shit we can give when, when these yeah, things are discussed just, yeah. however the my sources in Saudi Arabia tell me that um <laughs> <laughs> that so many sources this Jeff. deal is, is gets around uh, 90% done yeah and that was prior to it being released to the press which I think is a concern um I heard uh, Joe Jordan, you know, Simon Jordan, sorry, Simon oh, yes, Jordan, yeah. uh, Crystal, Palace. Crystal Palace owner. Yeah. He said that um, anything that comes out in the press be sceptical of because when a genuine offer is made to a football club and, a, and an agreement is made, uh, checks are banked prior to anyone knowing anything. And if you're a football manager, the first you know about it is when two blokes come walking through the door going, we now own this football club. He says that anything that comes in the press be incredibly sceptical of who put it there so, yeah is it kind of like a panic last chance please yeah or is, is it putting a public value on the club so that other parties will come in is yeah, it adding okay. pressure to an owner by adding fan pressure yeah all of these things are underhanded and often result in the breakdown of a, of a takeover however that's a that's a besides the point i wanted yeah. to talk about the the saudi sovereign wealth fund yeah um now we have been faced in the last 10 years with a bunch of ethically questionable football takeovers. Yes. And we've... It's not like the Man Cities of the world. Taken on the chin, right? Yeah, PSG. Um, yeah, exactly right. Now, now I think PSG is a bit different. We'll probably get to that. The Man Cities of the world... we just don't care about PSG? Well, because it's in France. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the Saudi Wealth Fund is not a human being. It is a wealth management arm of the Saudi Arabian regime. Okay, so just to, like let's contextualise that. Yeah. So when Sheikh Mansour took over uh, Manchester City, he is a bloke with money, yeah. right? He just happens to be of royal family and whatever, but he is a bloke who's investing his own money, who has a vested interest in his investment, right? Yeah. It is not a propaganda arm of a regime that isn't just questionable. The Saudi Arabian oh, regime, the regime is essentially like a guy though and a family of course but the the regime in in Saudi Arabia is you we could agree I'm not gonna uh, I'm sorry if, if we have listeners yeah. in Saudi Arabia but for fuck's sake yeah 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 it's horrible uh who's the what who's the guy MBS Mohammed yeah. bin Mohammed bin Saeed yeah well, and I feel like this is all like just to give some context as well this is all uh this isn't the first thing he's doing to sort of put Saudi Arabia into the public eye. Like, no, it's kind it's... of... He's courting, uh, you know, the media image to try and, you know, improve Saudi Arabia's public relations across the world. And, you know, what better way to do it than to well, buy a football club vessel, because they yeah. killed... A, recently, they killed a journalist and they completely ballsed it up no. and then everybody knew that they... <laughs> Killed a journalist. They recently like. held the Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia for yes. that very reason. Same so they, thing. Yeah. They basically have created this fund to go. Let's get some soft power out there. It's exactly yeah. right. Now, now in Saudi Arabia, they have um, uh, relaxed some of their visa laws. I'm not sure if you know about this. They've relaxed their visa laws in certain regions of Saudi Arabia to to inbound tourists. 
Yeah, okay. So if you're from Australia or England or the United States, you can get a visa to Saudi Arabia and you can go visit some of the old temples that no one's seen because you, you can't go in there. Now, they have cleansed these zones in Saudi Arabia where essentially you I don't... don't know the way you use cleanse. Well, when I say <laughs> yeah. that, what I mean is that they have put a public face on the the yeah. method of methodology of the regime you know yeah. I, i'm not not sure how to brush over this without sounding bad but you know no, no one's you... getting beaten with a stone in yeah. these tourist places yes. <laughs> did i did i do that well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have invested a, a ton of cash on um uh land regrab on their eastern uh on their western coast so it's just like the the dubai palms essentially they're building a whole tourist Mecca so, in this yeah. area. They're trying to bring in international tourism. Now, in order to do that... Are you offering holidays there yet, Jeff? Actually, I, I am, yeah. <laughs> in, order, in order to do that, they have to improve their public image. It's widely known. So what they're doing is things like this. Yep. So essentially, Newcastle United will be bought out as a propaganda arm of a regime trying to cleanse its public image to the world. Now, that is that, to me is hard to absorb because uh, now we as I say I, I preface this with the last 10 years even we've had for some... a club owned by Mike Ashley well this is the thing <laughs> so, so I, I've, I've heard a couple of people go oh it'd be great to get Mike Ashley out and I'm thinking well okay Mike Ashley's a cunt yeah. We know that. Uh, actually, he's quite an astute businessman yes. who doesn't spend a lot of money. He's made a billion-dollar sports direct empire because he's quite an astute businessman. He doesn't spend money on players, doesn't reinvest into the football club because he's a businessman. Yeah, and we he's don't like a- him because of the way he approaches football, but if you go remove the football from it... He's very go, good at his job. He's excellent at Newcastle job. Newcastle United, yeah. United has no debts. Yeah. It has uh, up to... Uh, state-of-the-art training facility it has an amazing uh, stadium, stadium. Yeah. essentially it's the perfect club to buy it's a, it's a single club city it's perfect so of course he values it high because he's a good businessman and, and, and he should so it should be 350 million pounds yeah. so yes people don't want Mike Ashley because he's not um, uh, you know the man city and he's not a yeah. shake Monsieur, so yeah. fine so, the, so there's, a, there's a feeling that getting Ashley out is actually more positive than the negative effect that these guys will have now if if saudi arabia decides in a few years time actually you know we're going to have some kind of crisis of conscience and say cleansing this public face isn't true to our beliefs what are they going to do to newcastle it's going to be fucked off down the street yeah. why, why do they care so, so I've, I've heard a few um a few uh expectations that the clear and uh, what's it called the due diligence that oh, the Premier yeah. League do on the Fit and Proper yes. Persons Act yes. right now the Fit and Proper Persons sorry I'm going on a rant here no, I apologise no, no, right. the Fit and Proper Persons Act uh, when you buy a Premier League club or you buy a football league club it's for the whole football league yeah. doesn't judge whether you're a nice bloke or not it judges whether you've been bankrupt before it judges whether you have had debts and you've let you fled another country so there's no moral but, he, there's, but there's even no now we've seen no moral the championship we've seen people that have had debts and run clubs into the ground house we're still being added by clubs yeah. so I, the, that legislation is not worth the paper it's written on. I, I completely yeah. agree and um, look at Berry for, for example yeah. there, there are but because the people who bought Berry haven't been they're not currently bankrupt like yeah. that's all it does so yeah. people are going oh well you know if they pass this test they'll be fine well actually no that's, that's, that yeah. test doesn't like mitigate for complete cunts. Yeah. There's no complete cunt clause, <laughs> which there should be a complete <laughs> cunt clause because then we'd be, yeah. all be in a better place. Yeah. So I wonder what the limit is for our complacency. Now, uh, yeah, no, go on. Go and and oh, there's, there's so many aspects to this because we are all at a certain level complicit, right? Um, and I heard yeah. someone, someone say on, on the radio the other day that, you know, you don't question who makes your T-shirt. 
We are all hypocrites yeah. at, to a degree at yes. some level. It's just where you draw your own line of where yeah. you, how your eyes can be open to your, to your hypocrisy, right? Yeah. I don't know where the shirt I'm wearing is yeah. made. I don't know whether yeah. it was in a sweatshop and I haven't looked into it. Yeah. However, I look at what's happening at Newcastle United and I think, well, is that the, is that the point where you go, I can't be complicit in this. I can't buy no. into this as a model. I, I, it's, I think there's, yes, you have to draw lines, but then also I think you have to hopefully have a little bit of faith in the authorities to go, this can't happen. And because, uh. we, we, yeah, no, <laughs> we, we, no, but we can't. But also we're football fans that just like watching football on TV from the other side of the world. So is me deciding if Man United play Newcastle, I'm not going to watch it. Does that achieve anything? Not really. If Newcastle fans all stop going because they get taken over by Saudi, this Saudi Arabia people, um, then that will have a difference. But do you think that will happen? I, I think they'll get excited because they'll no, be like, they'll yeah, get money. Who, who would buy yeah. yeah, I don't think they will do that. I think there has to be pressure, and we can do this as fans, on the Premier League, and you can protest them, you can send emails, you can write letters to them and go... Don't let these people into our football league. We love football and we love watching football. You have a responsibility as the owner of the Premier League, as the people that run and govern this game, to go, These we can't be encouraging what they do in our football league. But you know well, all they I, care about, John? Money. Money. Yeah, of course. So of I course. just think like that's it's the difficulty with all this is it's it's the system. It's yeah. so, and it's just we've talked about this a lot. We talked about it with the racism and and what have you. It's like football does not stand on its own. We talk about it a lot because mm. it is it's a big thing. Yeah, it's, it's you huge. know it's in the public eye and you know a lot of people. It's a religion for a lot of people, but it is it's just another facet of society and it's built on the same systems as the rest of society. And at the moment, that is all about money. And I just don't see it happening any other way. Like if they want to. If they want to buy Newcastle, they're going to buy Newcastle. Yeah, I don't nothing... have any faith whatsoever that the you know the Premier League will stop that. So the, the like so we tra- I track back and I go okay. So if we're complicit, if this is the one that feels like it's too far, w- what points should I have been feeling like this? Should I have, I've, when Abramovich came in? Should I have gone? Well, maybe I did, but maybe I was like more excited to see who was going to come in. Now, yeah. One. So you say, John, you know the people should be protesting the the league and saying please mm. protect our game. Now, when you look at what governs the popular people voice in middle ground England, yeah. you look at the tabloids. Yeah. So the Sun today, they posted an article on the internet that says, Newcastle's potential buyer owns world's most expensive home and married a Barbie princess. He also owns one of the largest boats in the world and has a £340 million painting. What a crazy lifestyle he leads. Yeah, so wow. it's all positive and... And he's mates with Rupert Murdoch. So, uh, you know, this is going to happen. Yeah. But I do think that we... It's like cooking a lobster. And I've said... I've used this before. <laughs> cooking you, when you, you know when you cook a lobster? Like, yeah. you, you put them in with the cold water. Like, if you put a lobster in hot water, it screams and yeah. it's in pain. If you put a lobster in cold water and you slowly boil it, it doesn't realise it's dying. Yeah. This is like cooking a lobster. No, you freeze it we, first. Well, okay, not, this isn't... This isn't a, go with the analogy, <laughs> Rush. Don't... Oh, it's not about lobsters. <laughs> 
It's a little bit about lobsters, but it's not about lobsters. Um, I do like lobsters. <laughs> you put them on the barbecue anyway. Um, the scream. Uh, anyway, uh, it's like cooking a lobster. So it's like yeah. there, there have been slow changes, incremental changes in British football that you get to this point and you go, okay, well, it's, the lobster's dead. I didn't even notice it getting cooked. Yeah. And I look back to the last decade and I think, well, perhaps we should have paid more attention to the incremental steps that gave us a dead lobster as opposed to me looking at this now going, I'm fucking uncomfortable with that. But what about society? You just say the same about society. Yeah, and you can just say the same about society. And is that, and I'm just being devil's advocate here, so don't all just shoot me down, but is that just evolution? Is that what just happens? Is this the way the game evolves? And to kind of bring it round to the FA Cup, I've got really frustrated about the FA Cup this weekend with old white men on the radio going, where's the magic gone? Oh, the magic's gone. No, look, the magic's here. Shrewsbury draw two all with Liverpool. <laughs> the magic was when you were seven 50 years ago and you liked it then. It was the only game on the telly. The seven-year-old now doesn't give a shit. The seven-year-old now watches Man City against Man United in the Premier League and loves that. Or Barcelona against Real Madrid. And so we've got to be careful about looking back and going, wasn't that brilliant? That was great. But I completely agree with you how we've slowly, the game's got to this point and it's evolved to a point where, hang on a sec, this is getting dangerous if we're getting regimes coming in running clubs. But where, if you look and go, oh, we've got to go back and where should we have stopped? We're not going to achieve anything, but we've got to work out what's the future. So how do we act now? So, right, so football is played on TV in 192 countries on on the planet. There's only 196 countries. So there's only, we've done this before, there are only four countries that don't play the Premier League on the telly. If every Newcastle United fan after this takeover never went to another game, and full stop said, maybe two blokes went up with a big banner going, you're all a bunch of cunts, why don't we have a cunt test? Mm. And that was the banner. 192 countries would have this in their face. And that is the opposite of soft power. That is a good thing. Of, yeah. of, and the human beings can achieve that. Yeah. However, what will absolutely happen is the first question will be, who are we going to buy? Yeah, oh, 100%. And, and, that, and that is the problem, as you say, Roger, with society itself. It's short-sightedness. But then you look at examples of the game we talked about in France earlier in the season that was moved to a later time. So that or an earlier time, so China could watch yeah. it, and then all the fans put a massive free Tibet sign up, so the whole stadium just said free Tibet, so that was all over Chinese TV all day. There's, as the little man, there's things that we can do like that, but the with the big wheel of stuff that's happening. Yeah, and we, if enough happens, can we? Yeah. Um, I can't. I disagree with you a bit on the FA Cup. Yeah. Okay. In that, did you see the magic? No, 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 not in terms of seeing the magic, but I think that the Premier League, the money and society and what's happened with yeah. the money in the Premier League has been bad for the FA Cup because yes. the Premier League yeah. and the Champions League, which are all about the money, has become the be-all and end-all yeah. to the point where the other competitions that don't have the same money yeah. obviously lose um, their, their weighting, if you yeah. like, which I I don't... I know it's perhaps it's naive, but I, I don't want that. I don't think that should be the case. Yeah. It shouldn't all be about money, but of course it is because yeah. that's our world. That's the way it works. Yeah. But I just think that that shouldn't be a reason to forget the heritage of football. Yeah. Now I don't, and you know, football was in like I don't want to sound like an old white, but I am an old <laughs> white bloke. But football was was you know invented in the UK. Yeah. 
and the FA Cup is the oldest cup competition in the world. Yes. And so it's important to keep it going. And it has that history. And so I think we have an obligation as the game in England has an obligation to respect that history and the things that have happened in the past and to try and keep it going. Yeah. And so that should be the the people that are governing the game should be looking at ways to do that. And so maybe they're doing it does need to be a change. I think perhaps you get rid of one cup competition. Yeah. And to me, that wouldn't be the FA Cup because of trying to yeah. preserve that heritage. I think perhaps you get rid of the League Cup. Yeah. And then you just have you give more weight to the FA Cup. I just they, I just don't think you can just cast it by the wayside and every. But I also I don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that the biggest teams playing their youth players completely devalues. The no, FA Cup. I don't think so either. Um, Leicester Leicester played Brentford in the League Cup this week, and Leicester won one nil. Both teams made eight changes. So Brentford who are sitting 7th or 6th in the Championship, doing really well this year, but they've looked at it and gone, oh, we could beat Leicester in the FA Cup and get to the 5th round, or we've got a game against Bristol City, for example, next week. We're going to wait and change our team for that. So if Brentford are changing their team for the FA Cup, I think we we don't need to get so precious over it that you have to play your best team. I think it's funny that everyone's lost their crap over Klopp saying, I'm not going to be at the game as coach and I'm going to play the kids. May 90, 20 years ago, just didn't bother entering. They just yeah. went, no, not going to enter. How can we still be having this kind of, uh, oh, no, you've got to respect the cup. 20 years ago, May 90 just went, not going to fucking turn up. Like, get over it. And the FA Cup's not as good as it used to be and not as big as it used to be, but don't ever kill it. But just yeah, understand. But I, think, but I think we should be looking at it. We should be look. We shouldn't be ignoring these things, though. We should be looking at it and going, if we want to preserve this cup competition and the history, and you want, you know, you remember things that happen when it's, if it's a lower league team beating a Man United third team, you don't necessarily, it's, it's not as memorable yeah, no. as Man United's first team going somewhere and having to play on an awful pitch and losing. And I. I do love those things. I love that that can happen in the yeah. FA Cup. I remember like, being uh, being in being in Malaysia and talking to a, obviously as Man United fans all over the world, yeah. everywhere. Man United, your, your Malaysian sources. Yeah, I was in Malaysia <laughs> talking to one of my Malaysian sources and uh, Malaysian hot sources, uh, and it, I was explaining to him about the FA Cup. Right, so he's yeah. a big Premier League fan, but yeah. no one outside. You know, it's very UK centric. Yeah, it's a very UK centric thing to to think of it as magical yeah, yeah. or whatever. I was explaining to him that you can be a pub team and you can enter the preliminary rounds of the FA Cup yeah. two years prior yeah. to the actual. <laughs> yeah. like, do you know what I mean? If yeah. you're going to enter those rounds, you yeah. enter two years original qualifiers. Yeah, yeah, original qualifiers. Anyone can do it. And I said, you could get 11 mates yeah. who are good at football and you could enter a team in the preliminary, preliminary, preliminary <laughs> Southern <laughs> District qualifier <laughs> yeah. of whatever FA Cup, FA region you're in yeah. and you could qualify and qualify and qualify to the point where you're playing away at Old Trafford. And I said, anyone in, in the UK has the right to do that. Was it the Bath University team, I think? The, got the, into the Welsh... The... Welsh um, Ah, oh, they were about to go to the Europa League, weren't they? Oh, anyway, yeah, don't worry, we won't remember. Yeah. Anyway. So the the look on that bloke's face when when I explained that to him was yeah. was like nothing he'd he'd ever heard in his life because that's unique. Yes. And people say about the magic that in itself we don't talk about that. We look at the third round. We look at big team versus big team and go, oh, it's a waste of their time. They've got all this other shit to do. But actually, the magic of the cup happens way before it's even on telly. Yes. Although you do get Dave Chandler's 
long throw-ins. And I do yeah. remember some of the finals, <laughs> like the you know the Michael Owen game. Yeah, the Liverpool Arsenal the Liverpool and the things and like Liverpool West Ham. The, the, that was an amazing. The, 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 you know, you, and I. So I, I suppose, what am I trying to say? I think it is worth preserving, and and I, and I do see the magic, or I remember, I remember yeah. things, and I think, but I, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable in its current form with the amount of games that players are having to play, yeah. that we can keep it just going the same. Yeah, I, I no I agree because I think you, I think we have to le- lose the league cup. Um when we were kids, the FA Cup was the only game of football that was on TV. So on in the middle of May yeah. that you'd have from 9am. It's like the grand final here in Australia. You'd watch it all day, drink beers all day with your family. Parade. Yeah, there's a whole lot yeah. and stuff. And right now it's just not that and that's gone. And that's a shame it's gone. But because it has gone, we need to prefer, preserve the bits of it that matter. And the mits, bits of it that matter is that lower league teams can play against higher league teams. They might not play their best team, but who cares? And if we get rid of the League Cup, it means that there's just that many fewer games that people will actually put better teams in it and they'll actually go for it. So I think the answer is lose the League Cup because no one cares about it. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, tell that to Aston Villa. Yeah, well, that's, that's the interesting I watched that. They they cared. And yeah. I loved that. Like, I watched the reaction to the game. I mean, part of it is probably yeah. scoring a last-minute winner. winner. Yeah. But they cared. Like, it's, they, it's great to get to a cup final, and yeah. I get that. And I think that's something I also struggle with, is that uh, you listen back to... So Leicester lost to Aston Villa this morning in the League Cup semi-final, second leg. Villa get through, last-minute winner. And all the commentators afterwards say, oh, yeah, see, that's the Magic Cup. That's Always a last-minute winner yeah. in a semi-final, <laughs> unless you're dead inside. Of course you're going to be excited. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And it was a great game. Like I thought, you know, Leicester yeah. played well as well. Like The Villa keeper was... Um, yeah. Villa reserve keeper, I think, was, was great. outstanding saves in that game. He yeah. kept a minute, he really did. Um, last thing that we had on our list to talk about this evening was West Ham. Jeff, you wanted to mention something about West Ham. I'm just going to apologise in advance because I've spent a lot of time having a rant this so week. So is this going to be a positive, uplifting, exciting conversation about West Ham? Quite the contrary, John. Oh, good. Um, so, <laughs> so I heard this week... Great. That, uh, <laughs> sorry, Ron. I, I, I heard this week... No, I love Misery. Oh, last week. Roger's on board. <laughs> last week. That, um, After this, we've got Roger's championship update. Yeah, so I that there's positive news in there. That West Ham's training facility still use porter cabins. Yeah, I heard this. So you know what a porter, porter cabin is? Yeah. So, so in the Premier League... There are some of the world's greatest training facilities. I, I, I obviously I know about Everton and Ancelotti when he got yeah. there, so it's the best he's ever seen. Yeah. West Ham still consists of porter cabins, right? <laughs> in a field. In a field. So let me just put this in context. They got rid of their home, essentially. They rent the Olympic Stadium, which is officially the worst football ground in the country. Yeah. And their training facility is made of porter cabins right so I, I've got a wow. friend at work who's a who's a diehard West Ham fan I, I went up to him today and I just I said oh mate I hear you guys training <laughs> training porter cabins <laughs> they are renting yeah they rent yes, they've got a hundred year yeah. lease on it yeah but they, but they only have it for certain days of the year so they don't rent it for the but full year but most football clubs like your you know particularly as you go down the league your main asset is your land, is your land yeah. and your stadium. Yeah. West Ham don't even have that. No. And as I say, they don't rent it for the full year. They rent it for match days. A 100-year lease for match days, and that's home games. So they have, they've rented it, essentially, for 19 days of the year. 
that's it, which means that they have no additional revenue stream that can come from owning a ground on non-match days. They can't do tours, they can't have school events, they can't do anything like that. Um, so I went up to my West Ham mate the other day, and I knew I was going to have a rant about West Ham tonight, and I, I, I thought I was ready. But then he, he really did just show me up on my West Ham knowledge. And I think it's, his name's Pat, and it's fair to give him a shout-out for this, because West Ham had their um, annual AGM, AGM last yeah. night, or two nights ago, where they discussed the finances. Now, one thing that's been doing the rounds that, that he showed me was the difference between what you would call a well-run club and West Ham. So the the well-run club in question, we're going to use Ajax. Yeah, okay. Now, the reason why we use Ajax is because Ajax have a revenue of 168 million and West Ham have a revenue of 175 million. Okay. So they're so very similar, similar when yeah. it comes to the money that's brought in by the football club. Now, I just want to go through the facilities. I don't mean the physical facilities, but the, the staff that work for Ajax yeah. Football Club. They have 11 coaches... They have 12 scouts, they have seven directors, they have a director of football, and they have a chief executive officer. Yeah. That's the... That's their football That's who works within their football club. And a manager? Did you say manager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a manager. Is Clive... Not Clive, Overmars. Is it Overmars? Not sure, I can't remember. Anyway, um, West Ham. So again, revenue of 175 versus revenue of 168. Have four coaches against Ajax's 11. Yeah. Guess how many scouts they've got? They've only got one, haven't they? One scout. Yeah. What? And the a Premier League club has one scout. One Surely scout. Not. Do you know who? So they used to have three, but two of them left because the two that left were Pellegrini's son and Pellegrini's mate, who was director of football's son. So they basically just hired oh, their sons to go. Oh, yeah, you can be a scout. That's basically like hiring me, going drunk, you're watching football. And and who, scouting and is a pretty important... In today's football... They have one. That's a pretty important single, position. Single scout. There are more scouts Jesus. at Tremere Rovers. Yeah. Um, so, uh, though who's, so, who's, so who's making the decision? How many directors do they have? They have four directors. One of them, who is a part-time director, gets paid over a million pounds a year. Karen Brady. She got a pay rise from £800,000 a year to £1.1 million a year. She's part-time. Two of the other four are the Dildo Brothers. Yes. <laughs> Golden Sullivan. Now, I heard an interview with um, Sam Allardyce this week. He was talking about his time at, at West Ham and the, um, the problems that David Moyes is going to face. He relayed an anecdote about how David Gould would just give him surprise players. He'd go oh. out, he'd negotiate, and so Sam Allardyce would come back from a break and he'd just see this player that he had no idea about. He'd go, it was always a centre-forward and he'd always be told he's going to get your goals. <laughs> and he'd, he'd say that David Gould would come down and go, I bought this bloke, he's a gun, it'll be good for you, make it work. And he said that if it didn't work, he would be blamed for his coaching methods, even though he had no control over buying the bloke they the were involved in... Um, they control yeah. the transfer. Well, because really? who else is going to do it? They literally have no one else who's in charge at that club. So when the so manager, <laughs> the yeah. I mean, going back to them, there was like lots of that is a complete joke. However, yeah. the the real side of that is if they get relegated, they have nothing. They don't have a stadium. They yeah. don't have grounds. They don't have a training facility. Which is they are behind every championship club in existence. And well, they the, have the big, players on massive. Wages. Yeah, the big thing that came up with all that this week was so they had it was twenty seven million of losses. That they've just reported mm. for the for the year um, so far, but also that their wages are seventy percent of their turnover. And you came talked about yeah. Bournemouth last week at eighty five. Yeah, that is a, a huge amount of seventy percent. And they there are there are as you said, John. There's some big wage earners there. So if they go down, that's... and they won't have what West Ham will do 
and this is just my prediction, but out of slight arrogance and slight, oh yeah, they won't have any clauses in their contract that your wage goes down if you get relegated. Like most clubs that know they're going to go down, go, oh, you lose 25% of your wage if we get relegated or whatever. West Ham won't have that in place. Um, and it also that incentivizes the clubs, the players to stay up. But also it means that when you're paying... Philippe Anderson, 150 grand a week. He's going to sit in the championship for five years and go. But West Ham got relegated in fairly recent history. They're in Upton Park. West Ham got sucked yeah. in, but they. But you know, surely they, should have, they, should surely have they can't be that naive. Yeah, they, so got, the, you know. they play Brighton next week, right? And um, so my sources in London tell me that uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell me that there will be protests at that game. And it will yeah, be just okay. like the Burnley game of two years ago when coins were thrown and, and you know... And, and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that game managed by David Moyes? Did, oh, do you remember the protest? Because I remember him coming out at the end going, that's not my problem. I'm oh, here to manage I... the football side. What do you like? What do you want from me? This yeah. I didn't do this. Which, you know, I kind of feel a bit for yeah. David Moyes. So he probably I get a few more I feel a, Yeah, I feel a bit for David Moyes, but... And, well, actually, no. I no, he feel, knew what he's letting himself he, in for. I knew what he's letting himself for. But also, he's like the owners getting rid of him and then bringing him back. It's such a weird move. Yeah, like, but, but yeah. you know, he, he wanted Stuart Pearce on his coaching squad. Have you heard this? Yeah, and they can't. They said no. They said no because he said something bad in an article about them. Yeah. Like, that's not how you run a business. Oh, yeah. Well, if that's why said, they're the dildo brothers. <laughs> yeah. And that is why you don't work for them. So I've got huge fears that currently they are joint on points with Bournemouth. And that is this is a, the Brighton game 17. is on a, in pure footballing terms. That's a big game. From yes. a huge game. Whilst, whilst we're talking relegation, I have a question from Facebook for you both. So this is from Phil on Facebook, um, and he says last year thirty-four points would keep you up. How many points do you reckon it's going to be this year? Because he was saying that if you the league's so close and there's five teams on thirty points, um, which is ridiculous. Um, you're going to need a lot more than 30 points, I reckon, uh, 34 points to stay up this year. I think you're going to be pushing 40 and more. Well, generally, they say 40 points is safe. Like last year was yeah. a bit of an anomaly. Like, generally, it's between 38 and 40 points. No, because when last year happened, they were looking at it, and generally, 36 is fine. Like, really? Yeah, it's not, you don't need that many points. Sure, it always used to be like 40 points, and you're saying. thing is, like, it's all, the league, because the league's got. Squeezed, Stretched, yeah. As in, the top teams get a hundred points, and the bottom teams. But the bottom and bit's been squeezed. Yeah, yeah. there's yes. only there's only so many points. It sounds yeah. like a with <laughs> like you can't have one without the other. And last year, where there were essentially two teams on a hundred points, yeah. those points come from somewhere. They don't exactly. just magically appear at the top, which means yeah. that those at the bottom have fewer yeah. across the board because they're all getting beat. So it's it's a good question. Well, we've got fourteen games left, which is a lot. And if you think that 23rd right now gets you out of the Premier League, 14 games left. If you win five of them, it's about 15 points. Yeah, so one point a game is generally relegation form, and one point a game would still get them up to 37. 37, 38, So I think you're going to need 40 points. Yeah. I mean, from a purely um, selfish perspective, I love chaos. I love seeing it happen. I'm sorry to all of those that are involved in the aftermath. But there are two teams that would be catastrophic if they got relegated, and that is Bournemouth and West Ham, and I'd love them both to go down. Yeah. Well, I'm, and I think because of that, because sorry. of what we... <laughs> well, no, but, and I kind of would too, because there's, 
there's other teams there that I think have more of a plan than they do. And yeah. I, I hate that, you know, the, we're West Ham, we're not going to get relegated and not worrying about it. And that's exactly why they might. Yeah. But I also think that um, because it, it has evened up now and there's so many teams there and you, you might need 40 points, I also think that, that increases the likelihood that a team that we don't necessarily think might go down gets sucked into it. Yeah, yes. you're right. So I, I, it really wouldn't surprise me if if a bigger team this year goes down. Yeah. And am I correct in thinking a team has gone down with more than 40 points? That year only that once Sheffield United went Sheffield. down in yes. the year that Carlos Tevez and Mascherano went to West Ham. Yes, because Sheffield United appealed in court about it. Exactly right, <laughs> yeah. because of the third party yeah. ownership. Yeah. yeah, and they had forty-one yes. points. Yep, that's and, the only and time. And Neil Warnock whinged like a little dog in heat. And it's been twelve years, and he's still whinging about. Yeah, um, Rog, you've got three minutes for your championship update this week instead of three seconds. It better be a good one. I think you gave me three minutes, didn't you? No, I gave you 30 uh, seconds last week. Big comeback for Leeds this morning. Great um, game of football. Millwall have been in really good form. And they were 2-0 up. And they were 2-0 up. Uh, Leeds came back on 1-3-2. Yeah. Scored three goals in 15 minutes. And Patrick Bamford scored. Scored two. Yeah. Uh, now, Leeds have been having a bit of a wobble. So they'd lost their last two and three of the last four. Yeah. And we all thought, you know halfway through the season or um, and a bit more and the Leeds wobble starts yeah. again and actually West Brom have been they've having won a, in like seven no they've also been having a big wobble so it's all squeezed out to put that in perspective Bristol City won this morning oh, so, so they, they've now won there. three games in a row one nil um, but uh, about, you won every, so you've won three in a row all one nil yeah Boring. a month ago we were 16 points behind West Brom yeah okay so you know, turn of the year, um, you know, Christmas, yeah. we were 16 points behind and we're now six. Yeah, wow. So it just, it, it, again, it's all squeezed up. So West Leeds and West Brom are still in the box seat. Yeah. So they're still 1-2. Uh, Nottingham Forest won again this morning and they're now up to third and they're only two points behind West Brom. Wow. Which is slightly interesting. Uh, they've got um, Serbri Lamouchi Who's as that? their manager. He's a French guy. He was quite good on Champ Man. Um, didn't as a player, years ago, fifteen years ago. Uh, yeah, as a player, as a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as a player. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't. Um, <laughs> did he play in the Premier League? I can't. I think he was at PSG. Yeah. Um, and he may have been like had a few games in the Premier League and been fairly yeah. average. But anyway, it was, it was like when I saw Nottingham Forest appoint him, I was like, wow, they're going to be in trouble. Can I, can I tell uh, you something, right? Yeah. So I've had a lot of conversations with people in my life about football manager, yeah. Championship manager. I went to uh, I went to a park last weekend, and there was a like a, a get together of people who owned whippets. Okay, right, you know the dog, Did the whippet. No, <laughs> this was happening. Or was this just an no, no? I was just I was just sitting in the park, in the park. In the park yeah, and then yeah. suddenly I was like, oh, there's a lot of whippets. Fuck, there's loads and loads and loads <laughs> of whippets. There must have been fifty whippets in the yeah. park. And I'm overhearing people's stories because these people don't know each other. They've got together because they're yeah. like they all own whippets. What yeah. were right. you doing? Then? I was just at the park. You've been at the park? I was at the park. Right, okay. Anyway, yeah. um, so I overheard a few conversations of whippet owners talk to each other who have nothing in common. So essentially all they do is talk about their dogs. There is nothing more self-indulgent than hearing two people who happen to own the same breed of dog talk about their dogs. Because <laughs> essentially they all think they're dog special. <laughs> all Apart from those own horses and do it. Uh, oh yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but they all think they're dog special. They all think their dog is just that particular, that just much more cute than the rest of yeah. the fucking identical whippets that are, that, are, that are sitting in the park. They're all just taking turns to tell whippet stories, which no one's listening to because all they're doing is waiting for their turn to tell a story about why their whippet is so cute. Yeah. When I hear people talk about football manager, 
It is so similar to pe- to a dog park full of whippets listening to people talk about their own whippet. What? Yeah. It's no. only real to you. Um, no. Talking of football manager, I have to disagree. Go on, tell me. <laughs> Dis- Dis- disagree <laughs> completely, Jeff. Um, it's real. No. <laughs> I spent days on, of my life. Chris on Facebook sent us a story on uh, about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this week. And it was it's, it's an old interview with him around the time he became Cardiff manager. Um, but he said that he used football manager a lot when he's a player, so he thinks that's given him good skills to understand how to be oh. a manager. Oh, God, Ollie. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> but, yeah, I um, it's all squeezed up a bit in the championship. So I think, you know, Christmas, it looked like Leeds and West Brom were gone. gone. Yeah. And now, you know, we're there's only eight points from first to sixth. Well, Rog will be back next week for another update then because uh, it's going to be exciting running. I think it's going to be exciting running. I, um, I still have hope. Side stories, anyone? Yeah, did you see the Birmingham Coventry FA Cup tie? The nil-nil? The nil-nil uh, way tie for oh, Coventry. Coventry don't have a ground. <laughs> no, Coventry play at Birmingham City's ground. <laughs> yes. So Coventry, the away side, drew nil-nil at Birmingham City, the home side's ground, which is also Coventry so City's ground. The so they're having a replay where Birmingham City are the away side at their own ground, <laughs> yes. where Coventry City are the home wow. side. So, so Birmingham are only allowed a few fans. That's so good. That is bizarre. <laughs> but I do like that. I, I've got uh, one... Yep. Slightly odd one while we're on the transfers and money. Uh, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole with the transfers and somebody had put together the you know top 30 transfers in Premier League history yeah. uh, factoring in inflation. Oh, okay. Now, last week we talked about Chris Sutton. I can't remember why he came up, but he did. Yes. I think it was because you said he was crap. Yeah. He is the 20th most expensive player in Premier League history, when he signed for Chelsea, or accounting Blackburn? for inflation, when he signed for Blackburn from Norwich, how much was he? Six point seven five million. I can't remember where that was, but in yeah. today's money, that's ninety five million quid. <laughs> oh my god! He went god. on to score fifty goals in one hundred and forty three games for Blackburn. That's hilarious. I'd love to see that list. That sounds great. Yeah, it was interesting. I yeah. don't know any other, how any other gems? Rep- reputable the. The yeah, just was, but yeah, I, just, I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Can, I, can I go again? <laughs> yeah, go on. Everton have been linked with a Brazilian called Everton named Alan. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Alan, yeah, I've spoken about this <laughs> before, but but Joe, William, Alan, Bernard, <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck off. Oh, who's William? <laughs> William? William, 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 you know, William. Willian. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, William? Oh, <laughs> Plays no. for Chelsea. I'm just... I can't believe it. Like, what is that about? Pick a proper Brazilian name. You're Brazilian. <laughs> like, enjoy it. Embrace it. Don't just call yourself Dave. Um, that's a good one. Um, I've got one side story on uh, Erling Haaland. I'm going to bring it up every week until... Until he stops scoring goals. He may not buy him for £150 million now. But he scored five goals in 57 minutes for Dortmund now, which is more than Man United have scored in 2020 until they play the FA Cup. Oh. Ridiculous. Um, it's the end game time, Rog. Yeah. So you are quiz master. So the scores currently... Roger on six. Jeff and I are both on four. I've really just been embarrassing yeah, this last two weeks. No one's, even, no one's enjoyed yeah. this. So, basically, Got- you pick a game. We have to pick the players that played in that game. If we get it wrong, we lose. So, what game have you gone for, Roger? Uh, so, the uh, big game at the weekend is perhaps 
Uh, Spurs Man City. Yes. I've gone for Spurs Man City. Nice. Good choice. In November 2013. But I've, uh, in error, picked the reverse fixture. So Man City at home. Okay. So Man City at home versus Tottenham. In, on the 24th of November 2013. Who goes first? Um, you can go first, John, this week. Vincent Company. Do you want me to give you managers or not? Yes. Go on then. Uh, the Water Boy or Carrier and Villas Boas. And who did you go for, John? I would like to go for, Vi- for Vincent Company. Oh dear. Oh what? Is he injured? Was he injured? Vincent Company is injured like oh, yes! every other day of the week. Well I've got to say, for the listener, we have had a pretty bad experience yes. here. Jeff, you've got to get this right before you win though. Vincent Company did not play. David Silver. Please say he didn't play. Yes. Yes, they were off on holiday hugging David each other. David Silver <laughs> did <laughs> not play. <laughs> Yes, that was the week they went on holiday together. John, back to you. um, Joe Hart. Joe Hart did not play. What is this? (laughs) He was on the bench and didn't play. Um, Oh, you've got to get this right then. Yaya Torre. Yaya Torre played. John. This is, uh, <laughs> uh, I was like Joe Hart, Zabaleta, company. Zabaleta played. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Costel Pantamillon. Oh, the on, giant yeah. in goal. Zabaleta, uh, Di Michaelis. Yep. Centre back. Nastic. Do you remember that dodgy Yugoslav guy they signed? He went off at half time for Aaron Lescott. Aaron? Do you mean Jolie Lescott? Oh, sorry, Jolie Lescott. Um, Clichy, Navas, Fernandinho, Torre. Nazari, Milner came on for Nazari. Nazari. Aguero, uh, who was substituted for Garcia Fernandez. Have he. Is, oh. Is that. Uh, that's not another that was name. He was a kid. No, he was a kid that didn't really make it anyway. Uh, it was, who was that Spanish guy they had? The Beast? Um, um, Julio oh, Batista. No, yeah, no. the guy who played for Valencia. Negredo. Yeah. Alvaro Negredo. So the Spurs uh, Negre- side. And would, you have, would you have got any of the Spurs side right? So I would have gone for Dyer. Oh, it might be a bit early. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe it is. A bit um, early. Uh, Modric, Modric. I'd say Modric is there. No, fuck. Paul um, Robinson. Wait a minute, uh, Villas Boas. So is that that's not still in the Aaron Lennon days? Aaron Lennon. Yeah. Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris. Walker. Uh, oh yeah. Do you want me to go through it? Yeah, no, no, no. Who yeah. played? Who played centre forward? Um, Robbie Keane. Nah, that was like 2006. Aaron Sol- Lennon, come on. Soldado. Oh. Uh, so, Larice Walker. It was 2006. <laughs> Dawson, Eunice Kabul, Vertonghen, uh, Guimarães Cordero. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Villas Boas. Uh, Paulino, who went off for Dembele. Uh, Lennon Holtby. Remember Lewis oh, Holtby? Holtby yeah. He plays for uh, Blackburn in the Championship yeah. at the moment. Uh, Adebayor. Lamella, Soldado, who went off for Sigurdsson. Wow. Guilfi Sigurdsson. Unbelievable. So basically we're crap at this game. No, 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 no. I'm good at this game. That was a tricky one. You're the loser. Jeff gets a point. So I'm. it's Rog 6, Jeff 5, me 4. But we better go. So thanks for listening, everyone. Um, We will be back next week. 
don't forget if you want to get in contact ask questions tell us we're wrong about something um, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com thanks everybody Check Sarah, you soon. bye bye, bye. bye.